and welcome to RTB, the podcast from the Northeast Ambulance Service. I'm Fraser Gregory, the team leader in the operations centre at NIAS, and in this episode I speak to Kavita Chawla, the speciality registrar in public health who was working with us. In our conversation today, Kavita tells me about health inequalities and what impact our service can have on them. Well, thank you for joining us, Kavita. Um, welcome to the RTB podcast. Um, could I just start by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself um, and what it is you do for the Northeast Ambulance Service, please? Yep. So I am a public health registrar. So I'm doctor by background and I'm now in training. So I'm essentially a junior doctor working towards being a public health consultant. And for the first time, the Northeast Ambulance Service is hosting me on a placement to work on lots of public health work. Typically during our training, we rotate round doing different placements, usually in local authority or in hospital trusts. But I'm the first registrar in the Northeast to be based within the ambulance service. So it's very exciting. Wow. And one of the main tasks that I've been asked to do is to develop an approach towards working on health inequalities. So can you tell us then what what are health inequalities? If you can just kind of explain that for the layman, as it were. So yeah, we it's kind of one of those words that is used a lot and means different things to different people. But health inequalities are basically unfair and avoidable differences in health between different groups of people. And they happen because of differences in the conditions in which we're born, grow, live, work and age. And they in turn influence our opportunities for kind of good health, how we think, feel, act. And this influences our mental health, physical health and well-being. Um, So that's kind of what health inequalities are in a nutshell. So... What sort of things are we talking about in in terms of inequalities? So to put it in kind of context, we normally think of um, health inequalities in terms of people who share a particular characteristic, for example. Maybe we might consider it according to geography. We might think about it according to whether you belong to a vulnerable group, for example. And also we we might consider it if you're experiencing socioeconomic deprivation. And it, it becomes kind of apparent through differences in life expectancy and kind of the prevalence of other kind of conditions. It might be the differences in whether you have a kind of a behavioral risk factor, such as smoking. It might be your access to care experience or outcomes in relation to like healthcare but it might also be how things like housing employment income those kind of building blocks for um health how well they're distributed between um our different groups yeah it does seem like a pretty broad subject um what would you say are the main inequalities that were you face so within the northeast the life expectancy is the lowest in the country in England and when you look at the difference in life expectancy between um, people living in some of the more 
affluent areas compared to the most deprived areas. For men in the northeast, um, the difference in life expectancy is over 10 years. So that's like a, a decade. So so men are dying on average in the most deprived areas right. 10 years earlier than their peers in the more affluent areas. So that's quite kind of staggering. And for, for females, it's about just over eight years. Wow. And they've done some kind of analysis of, of why that gap exists and what the causes of the condition like of that gap are and it's conditions maybe that you'd expect so circulatory diseases like heart disease stroke cancers respiratory illnesses like flu um pneumonia and um copd chronic obstructive pulmonary disease um and then also like mental health conditions too and that's probably reflected in what we see in terms of an ambulance service as well. Yeah, uh, you mentioned um, sort of analysis there. Um, obviously, we as a, as a trust is sort of, you know, up in the air, control room and out on the road, you know, collect lots of information um, about our patients on a daily basis. What information is really useful from a health inequalities point of view and how do we use it? Yeah, that's a really good question. And that's a big part of having a health inequalities approach. So even just knowing where calls are coming from, what people are calling for, even from that level is really useful. But then if you get into more granular details, so looking at it according to ethnicity, looking at it according to socioeconomic deprivation, other characteristics, like whether people have a disability, for example, looking to see where those differences in outcomes and access are so that we can make changes and make improvements. And part of health inequalities approach is about how we take a population health approach. And what like what does that mean? It's another buzz term. It means how we use data with other mm-hmm. organizations like local authorities or primary care or secondary care to build up a picture of what the health of the population is and so like an example would be or could be I guess so if we shared our call out data related to alcohol for example that could inform local authorities decisions around licensing for example so obviously we're you know ambulance service we're kind of like on on the front line um is this a, a new approach for an ambulance service or is the other you know, services across the country already involved in this sort of approach? Yeah, so there's a couple of things really. So I think a lot of what crews do and people in the control rooms do is kind of making every contact count. And that's not a new concept. And that's about kind of having those opportunistic kind of conversations with people to support them to kind of make positive changes to improve their health. So I believe that that's happening across the ambulance service. In terms of having like a formal health inequalities approach, that's possibly newer in thinking. And the Mm -hmm. Association of Ambulance Chief Executives, so ACE, I always get that wrong but I think I've got that right um earlier this year um on behalf of kind of the ambulance sector launched a consensus statement on how the ambulance service can work on health inequalities so the two main approaches basically 
are looking at our inequalities in terms of access, experience and outcomes in terms of the healthcare that we provide. But then also, and I'm going to have another buzzword here, um, our role as an anchor institution. And an anchor institution is um, an organisation that's really deeply embedded in the local community and has the ability to influence the health and well-being of the local population through things like employment, procurement, um, looking after our environment, for example. So that's the two main sort of approaches that they've proposed. And they're the sort of principles that I'm going to be thinking about when I'm thinking about our health inequalities approach. Excellent. So how does your role fit into this then? And what does like a a day-to-day look like? like a typical day for you look like when you're dealing with health inequalities? I know I'm a doctor, but I don't now see patients on a one-on-one basis. A lot of what I do is kind of looking at it from a population point of view. So looking at the data and kind of seeing what we can do. So a day-to-day for me is very different every day. I would say there's a lot of meetings involved. There's a lot of kind of testing out ideas and seeing if they're going to work using some of the resources that ACE have produced to kind of help inform the health inequalities plan. So basically every day is different. Sounds fun. So, you know, as, as an ambulance service, what can we do, you know, as a trust to to help other than, you know, collect information that we've already discussed? What else can we do to help around health inequalities? Yeah, so like I mentioned in terms of the kind of our role as an anchor institution, there's lots that can be done. In terms of health inequalities, a big driver is good quality employment. So by providing good quality employment and diversifying our workforce and widening participation, for example, that's a really good way of um kind of playing our part in reducing health inequalities another way is kind of our approach to reducing carbon emissions for example and improving air quality and others are looking at kind of what our pathways look like and redesigning them so that they're more accessible or they give a better patient experience or that we get better patient outcomes and I should probably stress that because health inequalities are so broad, it's not just something that the ambulance service needs to work on. It's kind of really a lot of it is about partnership working because it requires action at like lots of different levels so that everyone plays their part. You know, local authorities, primary care, secondary care, um, voluntary organisations. So working together on health inequalities so part of a health inequalities approach is about that kind of relationship building. So, yeah, it's it's varied. Yeah, it sounds it. I mean, you, you talk there about things like air quality and, um, and carbon emissions, and you would never ordinarily associate that with being a health inequality, would you? It really is that broad, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. There's kind of... The more you think about it, the the more you can consider things from a health inequalities point of view. So even things like our green spaces and our buildings, 
it's probably more applicable to hospital trusts, to be honest, but how we use our spaces to benefit our communities, that could be considered a, like a health inequality. And and it would kind of be through the role of us working through an anchor organisation. Obviously, you know, you talk about um, employment there and we do have a, a fantastic work base here at the Northeast Ambulance Service. What w- is it that you would like to see our staff do going forward to address some of these inequalities? Okay, well, some of what I hope to do is just raise awareness about health inequalities. So what we've hopefully planned is that we will have some training to do just to raise awareness of health inequalities and what it really means. Um, And that'll be coming out in our that man program in January. So one of my pleas, I suppose, is to provide some feedback on that training and to kind of feedback and say, is this meeting your needs? Is it new information? Would you like it in a different way? And and in that training, we talk about making every contact count. We talk about kind of supporting people to make positive changes. It's also about making sure that our data's kind of complete and accurate so where appropriate kind of filling out the demographics so that we can monitor and make improvements to the service where needed and also possibly the most important bit is about if you've got a good idea or if you see something's not working quite right kind of sharing that if especially if it's going to benefit a vulnerable group and you think that we need to be working in different ways then get in touch let me know I can scope out and um, see if if that's possible. Um, certainly upstairs in the, the operations centre, we collect a lot of demographic information around ethnicity. Um, that's something that we always ask on a on a 111 call. Um, is there any other sort of information that you think would be useful that we could start collecting? So, so yeah, I know in terms of 111 data, um, we have really good recording of ethnicity. There are other kind of protected characteristics and it would be great if they could be completed if they if if appropriate and if it uh, if it feels right in the kind of in the encounter um so that we can monitor outcomes. Yeah, that would be a, a good thing going forward. What about sort of attending ambulance crews is there anything specific you would look to them to do? So where appropriate again things like just basic demographics including ethnicity it's really interesting and important to know the sort of clinical outcomes and looking at that what would you like to see happen going forward um, what sort of like changes would you want to see as a result of the work that you're doing so what i'm doing or i'm hoping to do is lay the foundations so look at how we're kind of using our data, how it's organized and displayed and how it's used. So maybe having kind of an inequalities angle to some of the dashboards that we currently have, for example, so that it's um, it's on people's radar. Another bit is about incorporating, thinking about the impact on health inequalities when we're making decisions. So having that embedded in some of the decision making. Another way would be through looking at our pathways and seeing if, you know, starting somewhere, uh, looking at the data and then prioritising where we want to make changes and monitoring those outcomes. And then just working with other partners and really get that patient voice as well, because data only tells you so much. And, you know, there's a context behind some of those numbers. So that's the sort of direction I'm, I'm hoping to move in. And also, I'm hoping that when I finish my placement, that 
uh, another registrar comes to continue that work. What is it that staff can do to um, help improve health inequalities and outcomes for patients? Uh, Yeah, that's a really good question. One thing that I need some help with is getting some feedback on some training. So raising the profile of health inequalities and just getting a shared understanding of what they mean is an important part of a health inequalities approach. And so as part of that, we're launching some training in January as part of the Staten Manned programme. And there's a little QR uh, code on the last page. And I'd be really grateful if people could evaluate that and let me know what they think in case it needs changing, if anything's missing. So that would be a really great start. Excellent. Thank you. And uh, just for the benefit of anyone that is listening that doesn't know, STAT and MAND is our statutory and mandatory training that all of our staff have to go through every year. Yes, good point. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah. Where can um, anyone that's listening to this podcast go to find out more about health inequalities? So, um, like I mentioned, the ACE website, so the Association of Ambulance Chief Executives, have a website and loads of resources on health inequalities and the approach that they're hoping to take. So that's a good starting point. The King's Fund has lots of information on just the basics to health inequalities. And then the last one is a bit of a watch this space. I'm hoping to set up a a web page on our intranet for interested people to have a look at. And then also just a bit of a plug to link in and see if there's any CPD opportunities as well. Um, I mean, certainly I'll look forward to that um, Staten Man learning coming out in January to complete um just before we wrap up was there any final message you would want to give to our listeners about health inequalities or anything else that you're working on no just thank you for listening and um just even listening and kind of uh, raising the awareness is really is really good so yeah thank you for listening awesome well thank you very much for your time it's much appreciated oh, and thank you to you too thanks bye bye Thank you for listening to RTB. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please like, review and subscribe to the podcast in your podcast app of choice. And if you've got the time, why not listen to our previous episodes? If you'd like to get in touch about anything you've heard on RTB, or if you want to suggest a topic for us to cover in the future episode, you can email us at publicrelations at neas.nhs.uk. Bye.